With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of We Got Next here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck, another loaded show this week, and and I'm not going to talk for very long. I'm just not going to, because we have four interviews to get to, and... UFC 270 is in the books. What an event that was. Francis Ngannou is a hero. And I'll leave it at that. I will say this. If you have not watched the interview yet between Ariel Hawani and Francis Ngannou, it is a must-listen. You need to go stop what you're doing. You can even stop listening to this show and go listen and watch that interview because it is unbelievable. What Francis Ngannou is doing right now is unprecedented and everyone should be tipping their caps to this man. The UFC heavyweight champion of the world taking a stand. Unfortunately, he needs knee surgery, so he's going to be out for a little while. But this is the most interesting story in the sport right now. Absolutely, unequivocally, the most interesting story in the sport right now is what's going to happen with Francis Ngannou and the UFC. So... We'll keep our eyes on that. We will be talking UFC 270 on the show. Let's run down the lineup, get to the interviews, and then that's the last you're going to hear from me outside of asking the fighters questions. So I'm very excited about that. There's chaos in my house right now, but we're going to run down the lineup right now. We're going to talk to Victor Henry. What a performance he had at UFC 270. Pulled off a massive upset victory against Hione Barcelos and... It was just a massive win. And for those who have been following Victor Henry for a long time, like myself, the betting odds were pretty wide and a lot wider than they should have been. And Victor Henry proved a lot of people wrong and busted a whole bunch of parlays and even got his own Instagram post about him from Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan took time out of his day and did an Instagram post, not about Francis Ngannou, not about Davis and Figueredo, 
but about Victor Henry. And I thought that was pretty cool. So we'll talk to him coming up a little bit later on. We will talk to one of the big, another big winner from UFC 270, Matt Frivola. What a crazy fight he had with Gennaro Valdez. It was a wild, crazy fight. Frivola knocked him down four times in, in the first round, tied a record, which in my opinion was way off. I thought he broke the record. He had at least five, maybe even six knockdowns in that fight. So he deserves to be in that record book all by himself. So we'll ask him about that. He is also a free agent. That was the last fight on his deal. The UFC has not re-signed him, at least by the time this drops. And he could be an interesting uh, an interesting guy at 155 pounds for maybe the UFC, maybe for Bellator, maybe for one championship, maybe for Ryzen. Matt wants to stay with the UFC, but there's some options out there for him. And kind of getting the vibe just by the conversation we had and the body language and stuff. He'd like to stay with the UFC, but if someone else came along with a really good offer, I don't think he'd hesitate. And you'll kind of hear why throughout the conversation, but really good stuff from Matt Favola. Pat Downey will join us, one of the most credentialed amateur wrestlers that you will find. He is making the transition to MMA, and it is official now because he has signed... With Bellator MMA, he's going to compete in their middleweight division, and he plans to make that debut very, very quickly. So we'll hear from Pat Downey. He's, I'm sure all of you know his story by now, a pretty controversial figure in the in the wrestling world, but now he's transitioning to MMA, and I actually think it's a perfect fit for him, and you'll hear in the conversation. But first, we get to start things off with maybe the fighter whose stock rose the absolute most. This past Saturday at UFC 270, not just because of her performance, but because of her post-fight interview, because of everything that happened with their media scrum, everything. It was an A-plus performance for one Vanessa Demopoulos, and you will hear from her coming up next. No UFC this weekend. Bellator, however, is back. Their first event of the year, Bellator 273, Jose Young's in the house in Phoenix. We'll have all your coverage of that event course ryan bader versus valentin moldovsky for the bellator heavyweight title that title will be unified benson henderson islam mamadov is the co-main event it's actually a pretty darn good card so make sure you check it out that is going down this saturday at the footprint center footprint there you go my footprint center in phoenix arizona so vanessa demopoulos is coming up next have a great rest of the week everybody this is we got next we're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. It was quite a night for De- Vanessa De- Demopoulos this past Saturday at UFC 270. It was her first UFC win, first UFC finish, first UFC bonus, and the first time that I can remember a fighter jumping into the hulking arms of Joe Rogan. A night of firsts for Vanessa Demopoulos, who joins us just a mere hours after her big win over Silvana Gomez Juarez at UFC 270. Vanessa, how are you? I'm amazing. I'm awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And um, I'm like, yeah, really pumped. So you are. Did, 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 did that did that like encompass excited? I'm excited. Yes. Well, I mean, clearly, <laughs> after a win like that and a performance like that and everything that is that has happened, have you come down from Cloud Nine at all yet? Because that was certainly one of the more memorable showings of the entire night on Saturday. Um, I don't know if there's like ever a time where I'm really like down. <laughs> like this is pretty much like my even keel. So like. Yeah, but we're just like elevated two notches. So no, I don't want to come down. Can I stay up here? You can stay up there <laughs> as long as you want. I mean, after that, enjoy it. Relish the flavor. Like a lot of fighters, it's just on to the next thing. And But right now, I think it's okay to smell the roses every once in a while, especially after a night like that. Right. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I'm going to do exactly that. So on our post-fight show on MMA Fighting, I awarded you the inaugural Chris Beast Boy Barnett Get Yourself Over Award to you because you had, in my opinion, like a Chris Barnett type of night. UFC 268 at MSG was a huge night, but Chris Barnett on the prelims has the crazy knockout, has the great promo, and then tells great stories of the post-fight press conference. He had an A-plus night, and you had an A-plus night. You get dropped, you battle adversity, you get a slick submission, A-plus celebration, A-plus post-fight interview, A-plus scrum with the media afterwards. Has social media, your phone, everything just exploded since Saturday? Because that's typically what happens when everything just comes together like that from all different angles. Yeah, actually, it did. And um, I'm... I'm very big on boundaries, you know, and thank goodness I've learned my lesson on boundaries in the past. So I literally like took my phone and basically chucked it for half of the day um, because the people that were there with me, like in person, that was my value, you know, like my friends, my family, my teammates, and uh, that was my value. So like, I really spent time with them. And then by the time I opened up my phone, I like, I couldn't believe how many text messages, how many like messages on Instagram, how many new followers I had. Like, yeah, it's really crazy exciting. 
little bit overwhelming, but um, I just sat down and I went through and I responded to absolutely everybody that I could because I really love it. Like, I really love, like you dream of these moments, you know, like I'm not going to let them pass by. So yeah, that was cool. It's so freaking cool. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) (laughs) May I ask about why you felt the, the value in boundaries and because MMA in particular is a super interesting sport. And Jason House, who is actually your manager, put out a post the other day, which I thought was super interesting. And it was about Brandon Moreno's fight. He said, after Brandon won the title, it took him three days to respond to all the texts and all the messages. But after Saturday night and the loss, it took him like three minutes to respond to everybody because that's how the sport can be. Is that similar in terms of the boundaries and what you mean by that? Absolutely, man. Um, Because to be honest, like the important things are the important things, you know, and if if you're winning, everybody's on it, you know, everybody wants to reach out and congratulate. And when you're not on it, it's like, people still come to console. But yeah, the numbers are significantly different. And for me, it's more important for me to give that attention of myself to the people who are truly there for me, no matter what, win or lose the people that were in that arena with me, they would have been there to be with me in celebration if things went the other direction, you know? So that's where I wanted my value to lie. And that's where I spent my time initially. Um, You know, now I'm back on social media again, but yeah, you got to keep the important things, the important things and never lose sight of that because it's really easy to, when there's a lot of other attention and shiny objects coming at you. I feel like you should never fight at the apex again, just because (laughs) you need to- you need to be in front of a crowd, like not like you're fighting in the apex now, like you, you still get to fight in front of a hundred people, but you need to fight in big arenas. Cause I feel like you feed off of that energy. It's almost like you need that and, and, and vice versa. Like, do you feel the same way? Like we can't do the apex thing again. Right. No, 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 no. We're past that. We're past that. Um, <laughs> I'm so grateful to fight no matter where the arena is. And to be honest, I was almost like, cause I wanted that bonus so badly, dude. And then like, when I found out I was fighting on the pay-per-view and I looked at how stacked the card was, I was like, Oh, well, you know what, whatever, like I'm fucking going to go out there and have fun and just be myself. And, um, I love audiences. I love crowds. I love being an entertainer. You know, like that's my thing, man. I shine under the lights. And like, it's funny because all leading up, like my coaches, they've never seen me. And who can ever see you in a setting like that until you've been there. But they kept trying to calm me down. They're like, hey, it's okay. Like the audience is going to be there. Don't worry about it. I'm like, wait a minute, guys. Like, y'all are going about this the wrong way. Like, I love the audience, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, let's, let's keep that. Let's keep that momentum. Like, let's keep me in front of a crowd for sure, man. But I am grateful no matter where you place me, I'll perform, but let's keep me in front of a crowd, please. <laughs> the fight didn't last long, but for what we saw, it was a crazy fight. Cause she landed some big shots. One dropped you pretty early on. It sounded like a freaking gunshot watching it on television, but you got your wits about you. It's not the first time you've been punched in the face before because you've been at this fighting thing for a minute now. How badly were you hurt in that moment? Uh, well, I'll say it again because <laughs> I said it when Joe asked me. Um, I don't know it, it, how bad it hurt. You know, I just woke up on the ground and I was like, I had the underhook, I had the guard, and I was like, sweet. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, I didn't feel the punch and I didn't even know that it had happened. Uh, until he asked me, how did you feel about it? So it's like when I was in there, um, man, I, I think I was expecting more of a 
fight from her versus like just throwing these crazy right hands at me, you know? And they were like one shotters. And uh, she caught me with the first one. And I was like, oh, yikes. All right, cool. Like that's like, she got it. And, um, but then the one that dropped me, I, I, I didn't see it. I never felt it. I still, I still have no idea what it was, you know? So. Have you gone back and watched it yet? Tape. Have you yeah. watched it yet? Yeah, I've watched it. Okay. When she yeah. got on top of you after she drops you, because I know you're in the moment, you're trying to just like, okay, here we go. When she gets on top of you after she drops you and tries to put you away with ground and pound, are you thinking to yourself, thank you so much for doing this? Like, thank you for, for getting on top of me? Because it feels like she just jumped right into your, into your world. Yeah. Um, so when I watched it is when I saw what happened and I like, she did the right things, you know, like she went to my side and, um, she started ground and pounding off of the side. I just instinctually went back to my guard and, um, I came, I came around when I had the, the overhook and the full guard, which is crazy. Cause like, there's like a solid 20 second gap that like, I don't, I don't know. People were like, Oh my God, the fight was almost stopped. She was ground and pounding you. I was like, Oh really? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really cool to go back and watch it. And um, really fascinating actually. Cause you know, you hear about that kind of stuff, but you don't know it until you experience it. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. A lot of fighters, like they would never say like, or admit that something like that happened to them, but fuck, I was there. It happened to me, man. You know, and like, thank goodness it came my way, but that was, that was crazy. It, what was it like watching the transition into the arm bar, like watching it back? Cause I mean, like you said, even just think, even just saying it right now, the first 20 or 30 seconds, you're like, Whoa, what, what just happened? Yeah. And then your wits come about you and the transition was just a thing of beauty. So watching it back, like just watching the tap and everything, like what's going through your mind, watching it back. Cause it's got to feel surreal after just living it 24 or so hours before that. Yeah. So, um, I remember every single detail going into the arm bar. So like, as soon as I had the overhook instantly, I was like, Oh, I know what to do here. You know? So like I threw my leg over and I remember hearing my coaches like, clamp your legs. So like, I like clamp my leg over her face and I was like, yeah, 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 that, that's correct. That's, that's the right answer. And then I was, she started stacking me. So I started going belly down and they were like, no, no, go for the sweep. So I underhooked the leg and I kick her over and um, got the sweep. And then I was pulling for the arm bar, but she had her arm torqued, which was fine because my legs are so crazy tight because of my like stripper guard. And, um, so I was like, just basically turning it into a key lock scenario. Like I was going to get that arm fully extended, but she did tap, I think before any real damage happened, or at least I hope so. Um, yeah, but it was, oh, I just remember every single inch of it. My sister, she's like, I think you're smiling as you're pulling the submission. I'm like, yeah, probably like <laughs> when you got it, you got it. Like when you just feel that in your heart, you know, like, you know, you got it. What's going through your mind when she actually taps in the octagon and you're here in the crowd and everything's going on? Like you just got your first UFC win, your first UFC finish. Like what is going on in your mind once once you feel the tap? Oh my God. I got up. I like look over and I see my coaches. I run over to the cage and I'm too short to really like give my hug. So I had to jump on top of the cage. 
Um, yeah, and then I, I jumped off the um, off of it. And I guess I turned around. There was a commissioner there. I gave him a hug too. I don't even know that guy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just like so beyond in the moment. It was so freaking cool. It was so cool. <laughs> so I, I was your post fight scrum with the media. You said that you planned to jump into Joe Rogan's arms. Like at least it was premeditated. Is that true? Like you, you oh, thought yeah. I'm, I'm jumping in this man's arms. No doubt about oh, it. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I totally like, I was like talking. Um, I, I do like so much positive self-talk, man, you know? And, uh, I was like, man, Joe Rogan's going to interview me. This is going to be my moment. Like, um, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to put my arm around him. And I'm just going to put my one leg up and put my other leg up. And like, he's just going to, he's just going to hoist me up. I was like, that's just going to happen. And it was so flawless. Like it happened exactly the way I thought it was going to happen in my head over and over again. I was like, let's go. That was so freaking cool. And he was, he just played along with it. Like what a cool guy. That was so awesome. <laughs> That's something, is that something that was in your mind for like weeks or did you think about that, that day? Like what, when did you first think about that? Um, I first thought about that when I knew that I was going to be on a pay-per-view card. So I was like, you know, like all of these I had so many new experiences in one week's time. Cause like it went from fighting in the apex and then all of a sudden I'm fighting in front of a crowd. So like now my walkout songs got like so much more intensity to it. You know, like I get to look around, like I envisioned looking around and seeing faces that I knew and that happened. And um, I envisioned Joe Rogan coming up to me and interviewing me. And I kept manifesting this, um, the performance bonus. Like I had that written, I'm telling you everywhere. Like I had it written. I have like videos where I wrote it on my whiteboards. I had it in my bookmarkers. I had it on the cover of my phone. Like it was everywhere. So like, man, everything played out so much cooler when you live it than what was in my like imagination. Fuck, that was so cool, man. It was so cool. <sighs> Have you always been like that? Like super detail oriented when it comes to your goals? Or is this something that you've developed over the last year or two or, or however long it took to get there? Yeah, man, it was a developmental phase. You know, um, I don't think anybody just wakes up and starts like detailing out their whole lives. And if you do, fuck power to you, you know, like uh, <laughs> Elon Musk status right there. Um, yeah, it was definitely a development, you know, and it's like decisions that I made, like, how do I become the best version of myself possible? You know, like I'm wild, I'm crazy. Um, there's no secret about that. You know, like I'm all over the map. But at the end of the day, I really, truly care about the things that I love and I'm passionate about. And um, there's if it takes writing things out as one of the details that's going to help me in my success, like, am I really going to skip that? Am I really going to skip that part? You know, it's something so simple. So, um, yeah, it's something that I've really adapted recently that's well, great. In the last few years. Thank you. Did you I'm, I'm, I'm a curious cat. Did you have a plan? Did you have a plan B? with Rogan? Like what if he had backed away or done some kind of like reverse ninja stuff? Like did, did, was it, did, was there a visualization of like, eh, maybe he, maybe he might not do this. I mean, it worked out clearly, yeah. but was there a plan yeah. B? No, I never have a plan B man. Uh, plan A and if plan A doesn't work, then you just roll with it. Like figure it out. <laughs> 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 that's it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a full sender, man. Like we're going to do this. It's going to work. And if it doesn't work, uh, figure it out, figure it out. <laughs> Amazing. You probably noticed that 
your post-fight media scrum got a lot of attention because you revealed that your career as an exotic dancer has come to an end. And I believe 13 or so years, that was part of your life. And then several weeks before this fight, you made the choice. We're focusing on IMA full-time. What was that decision like for you? Was that a really difficult one to make? Yeah. Um, and I say 13 years, but I actually haven't done the math. I think it's, I think it was longer than that. I started dancing when I was 18 years old. So I'm 33 now. Um, I've written two books on the industry. I grew up in the industry and, uh, walking away from it was one of the scariest things I had ever done. Um, I think that's just so scary, man, because it's like, that was my, you know, that was like the way that I was making money all these years to be able to fight full time. Like I was working at night and then training all day. And, um, but I was only able to work like two nights a week. So it was like, I was like, fuck, like, do I want to make a few dollars or do I want to recover and sleep and make sure that I'm taking care of my body and my mental space so that I can perform better in the cage? And I literally, again, I wrote it out on my, on my board. I got to freaking post this thing that I made with about the board. Cause I wrote, um, bust your ass for thousands versus shaking it for dollars. Like, it was like, that was like my big thing, you know, like this whole camp. Like I looked at that every single morning. Um, yeah. And I didn't have a lot of money. It's not like I was like, oh yeah, like I'm good. I wasn't good, dude. I wasn't good. And I made the decision and I walked away. And if it wasn't for sponsors, like uh, go big uh, media um, and robe that were helping me out, like there's no freaking way I would have been able to do any of that. So like huge shout out to my sponsors, but yeah, it was a scary time. <laughs> I feel like, especially in MMA and, and, and you're living this right now that sometimes when you make a hard decision like that, it creates a domino effect. Like I almost think about like, when I heard that one of the weird thoughts that popped in my head is like, well, what if she didn't quit? Like, what if she didn't walk away? Like would everything have worked out the way that it did. And it's just the weird way my mind works. Like, have you thought about that since Saturday? Like, what if I didn't do that? Like, would we be having these same kinds of conversations right now? Yeah. I think those are the conversations I had with myself when I was making the decision, you know, like I went down all the scenarios like, well, what if you do quit and then you still win? And what if you don't quit and then you still win? I mean, I have been dancing for all of these years, you know, and I've won quite a few fights, but there's a lot of times I'm telling you, like the reason why I'm so freaking strong is because I'm always so exhausted and I fucking do it anyways, man. Like there's no quit in me. Cause I'm like, I got to do what I got to do, you know, but it's like to be able to rest and recover, like that was life changing for this camp. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought about all that stuff, but I also didn't care. You know, I'm like, this is the time. Like, I'm going to put this to the side. I'm going to make fighting happen. No matter what, this is going to work. Like, I'm going to make this work. And it's things like that. Like, just like, I, I go back to manifesting. Like, I was talking to myself, like, positively every single day, encouraging this journey. And here we are. Do you miss, do you miss it at all? Like, is there a part of you that misses it? I love dancing. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, but, like, you probably do miss it because like, you just, you just enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Um, I love pole dancing. I love doing all the acrobatics and stuff in the air. And uh, that's something, I mean, I don't have to be a stripper to do that. You know, like I don't have to be a dancer in the club. I can easily dance 
I was dancing outside of the car with my sister while we were driving down the street. You know, like we got out, at, I got out at a red light and started dancing in the street. Like I'm wild, man. Like I don't need to be in that atmosphere to do that. Um, I'm trust me, I'm going to get my artistic um, compulsions out via dance um, in many other ways. And it's not going to be in the club anymore. Yeah, you just do it in the octagon after these wins and the drop and splits. I mean, the, the photo of you do it, like the UFC just capturing these moments and, and some of the media photographers like dropping in the split and and, and just that that moment is just so cool. Like, it's almost like you, we could see who you who you are as a person in that moment. Like you want to fight, but at the same time, you're just like, you're, you're young, wild and free, just enjoying everything. And you don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. <laughs> I did not care. I did not care at all. And I'm so glad that people, oh, excuse my voice. I'm still crackling from the weekend. I'm so glad that people love me for me. Like that was one of the questions that I think one of the media guys asked me like, well, did you feel any pressure going in? Because like, you know, you're obviously starting to rise a little bit. I was like, no man, because I'm not faking anything. Like I get to be myself and I'm just grateful that people like me. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little wild. I'm a kind of a dork sometimes. And, um, man, yeah, I, I think it's really cool that it's received as well as it's received. You know, I wouldn't change it even if it wasn't, but I, I'm liking this, uh, this way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gotta be a very freeing feeling as an athlete too. Like you don't need to change who you are. You don't need to fake anything. It's just, I'm going to go out here and, and do me and I'm fine with that. And not a lot of athletes can like even learn that lesson or even try to learn that lesson. You're just living it right now. And, and it makes no difference how anybody reacts to it. It's got to be super freeing for you that you can just go out there and be you. Yeah. There's no better feeling in the world, you know, than to finally take ownership of yourself and um, know that you are good enough exactly as you are, exactly as you are with all of your wild um, imperfections. So you think, you know, they're perfect. You are perfect. So, and that's really cool. It's really cool. And getting to live this right now, you know, like I've been saying these things for so many freaking years and it's like, I'm living it, man. I'm living it. <laughs> How did you react? What were you doing when you found out that, that you got the bonus on a card like that, when you're looking up and down and you're like, Holy crap, like how am I supposed to get a bonus on this card? And then you actually get it. What was that like? How did you react? And, and what were you doing when you found out? And, um, so we had an after party and, um, I was like, I, I was there and we were getting everything together. I was still waiting for my friends to show up. So it was just me. And, um, I remember this bro, like I was walking down like a hallway and, um, Jason texted me and it's like literally welting me up right now because like I got the message and I just dropped down. I sat down in this hallway and like, there was like people walking by and I just sat down and just started crying. Like, it was just such an awesome freaking feeling. Cause like, I went through so much this camp, you know, between dancing and, you know, my family had gotten sick. My grandfather was diagnosed with cancer and my little brother went to prison. And I'm just like, bro, like, can anything else happen? And I'm going to do all of this and I'm going to make this happen. And I got that call and it was just like, 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 it was just like, man, you can do anything that you want to accomplish in this life, man. You got to want it and you got to dig for it and you got to get after it and you can do it. You know, fuck. It was so cool. Greatest night of your life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of them, one of them. <laughs> I, I, mean, like to, I like to put family on my, on my pedestal somewhere, you know, but that was, that was, yeah, I think that's definitely number one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, after, after a night like this, I mean, where do we go from here? Like, cause you know how the sport works, you win and you have this moment, we let you save the flavor for a little while, but then the media wants to know like, what's next? What's next? Have you even thought about what's next? Like what you, when you'd like to get back in there and build a, upon this momentum, cause it'd be, it'd be just fine if you're just enjoying life and just smelling the rose. Like I said, at the beginning of this thing, <laughs> have you even thought about that? Have you thought that far at all? Yeah, I definitely want to fight a solid like four times this year. Uh, the who? No, I haven't thought about it. You know, the when? Eh, I mean, it's going to happen. You know, I, I feel like especially after a performance like that, like they're going to want me back in there soon. And I want to get in there soon. Like I love training, you know, like already I was going to go out and compete in some jujitsu tournaments, which I love doing. Um, but man, MMA comes first, man. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so pumped to fight. Like I want it. I want it. So that's as far as I've gotten on that list of like thought process. Like I know I want to fight four times this year. And it's still January and we absolutely have that opportunity to do so. I'm on a suspension right now though, because just like I told you and I said it on the mic where I was like, I got dropped. I woke up on the ground. Like the commission came up to me and handed me a suspension. They're like, well, you can't fight for a little while now. I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> okay. I'll take the win and the bonus. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a fair trade-off, right? Uh, last thing I, I, I want you to enjoy your time and on vacation and, and savoring this flavor, but uh, I saw something on your Instagram the other day that actually gave me a little bit of a boost of confidence in my life because my son, who is eight years old, about to be nine, he's training MMA and he's doing jujitsu and I hate tying his belt and I can never figure out how to tie the belt. And I saw something about your brown belt and you have a hard time tying it. And it, I mean, are you still having a hard time tying it? Because I, I, like, I felt so good watching your video and knowing that I suck at this and that you're a fighter coming off a big win. I'm like, all right, well, if, if it's okay for her, then it's gotta be okay for me. Just give it to the coach and let him do it. I don't want to ruin, I don't want to ruin your image of uh, that video because <laughs> I want you to think that I have issues too. Um, Chiva loves messing with me, man. It's Chiva great. loves messing with me. Now I, uh, I'm more of a geek. I used to be more of a gi player. So I used to be in the gi every single day, every single day tying that belt. I've actually like won the Pan Ams in the gi before and American nationals and, um, you know, world pros. And I fought in Abu Dhabi in the gi. So I'm sorry. I don't have problems tying my belt. I tied it on the wrong side. Like the black strip oh, okay, all right. on a certain side. He's like, oh, Vanessa, you want your black belt. You don't even know how to tie it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But still, it was, it was uh, still, even, even though it was, uh, you know, a little, a little manufactured in a way and it still made me feel good. I'm like, all right, that's good. He's messing, coach is messing with you. Magic. Hold on I'm, I'm holding magic. on to it. I'm, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. Like, like you don't know how to tie the belt at all, but you know how to tie <laughs> yes. the belt. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. There you go. Well, Vanessa, congratulations on, on, on Saturday, everything that happens and the, the, hearing the story and the manifestations and just seeing how the dominoes fell in the right way. I mean, it's just truly inspiring. I'm, I think a lot of people are going to take a lot of positives away from this thing and you getting the bonus was just cherry on top of, uh, of the whole Sunday. So congratulations. Enjoy your time. Enjoy the victory. You deserve it. And uh, we'll see you when we see you in there. Whenever that time comes, we'll, we'll be excited for it. So I appreciate your time Thank very you much. So Any, much. Anything Thank else you want to say? Anything uh, else you want to say? Follow me on social media, guys. It's a wild ride. Lil Monster Demo. So L-I-L Monster Demo. Um, I try to be as active as I can, you know, and I'm pretty freaking active. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Later. <laughs>
to Pat Downey. As we found out earlier this month, the newest member of the Bellator MMA roster. Very exciting news for the highly decorated, highly credentialed wrestler. Pat, how are you, sir? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm freaking pumped about it. Yeah, I, I've known for a little bit longer than uh, you guys, so I've just been excited to get it released and uh, make this debut. Well, I mean... I have to know how long you have known about this. When, when, when did this all begin? When did you know that you were going to be part of the promotion? Um, well, it was about over, over a month ago, probably six weeks ago that my, uh, my manager, Dave Martin was telling me that he was in talks and, um, you know, I don't really worry about that business stuff too much. It's kind of like out of my control, but, uh, yeah, just once it got done and I signed that contract about, Right before New Year, I was going to say, definitely the best Christmas present I could have asked for. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, because you had been talking about making the transition for a little while now, you had some other things that you wanted to try to accomplish before you actually made that leap. But now that you have a promotion to call home, having one less decision to make, do you feel like a little bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders in that way? For sure, for sure. And just like as dumb as this sounds with the whole media thing, like letting it be known to the world that, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm definitely fighting. You, you kind of, you know, I get badgered a lot about it. Like, Hey, you, you need to fight, man. Or when are you fighting? And like, this kind of like, uh, put some of that talk to rest, you know, like, Hey, this is my plan. It's, it's going to happen. So, uh, yeah. And you know, not a real, not a lot, a whole lot has changed in my life other than that, because my, my training and my, uh, my preparation is kind of the same. Like I've always been knowing that this was going to be in my path. And now it's just kind of cool to be being one, one step closer, I guess, to making that uh, debut. You know, I still haven't got in the ring. I'm zero on zero and I just know I'm going to love it. But uh, until I get out there and do it, you know, I can't really say I'm a pro fighter yet. You know, I'm curious, were, were there, were there any other promotions in the conversation or is it bellator and bellator only um no there were there were a few we we're looking at some asian uh promotions and then um we were we were really looking i was here locally where i'm training in miami is uh titan fc i was talking to that guy lex uh he runs a great promotion it's an awesome feeder in the ufc um i was looking at that and then um actually uh all these guys with uh khabib that Khabib League is coming to Miami as well, the Eagle Fighting Championship. So we were talking to them. I mean, it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't just like, hey, Bellator, this is it. You know what I mean? I, I did some research, and I allowed my uh, management to kind of do their job, and, and Bellator is just where uh, we felt the best spot to land was. I saw an interview you had done with, uh, with a friend of mine in the media space, Nolan King. You hadn't full-on committed to MMA because you were getting ready to compete in the Olympic trials. This was in 2020 before the pandemic really took shape and shut everything down and postponed the trials, postponed the games and all of that. You did compete in the 2021 trials, didn't really go the way you had drawn it up. Can't control the pandemic, obviously, but how much of that sting that everything got delayed after all the preparation, the plans, everything ready for 2020, to have it kind of just fade away, how much of that sting? Yeah, no shit, man. It really stung a lot because I was uh, I was at American Top Team at the time helping Kobe Covington prepare for tomorrow. And, um, you know, that didn't go as we planned either. But um, 
and it just just goes to show you like we think we got it all figured out and our plans and this that the third but you know life and and god and the the way the uh cards fall they're just out of our control sometimes so you know i got freaking akuna matata tattooed on my titties so you're not really going to see me worrying a whole lot or uh if i am you're not going to really know it either but it definitely stung just because like you said man can't do shit about it and you're, you're so prepared for for things and you have such a good plan you think and um you just got to be ready to roll with the punches, you know what I mean? Life called in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely could have handled it better if you if you look at all the shit I went through this past year. I mean, but it seems to be the story of my life. Minor setback, bigger major comeback. And uh, I'm just going to keep shitting on these haters with success. That's all you can do. I was just going to say, like, considering everything you've gone through, maybe like the last decade, a little over a decade, this, like, it, it probably couldn't have gone any other way for you, right? Like, nothing's really ever been that smooth, right? So this is all part of this, part of your story. That's all. Uh, yeah, and my father, you know, I just buried my grandfather. And um, that's that's one thing that we would always say is, you, you know, you land in a pile of shit and you come out smelling like a rose. So you mentioned training in Miami. You're at Goat Shed Academy. Is that accurate? That that's yeah, your that's yeah. your team, right? Awesome. Yep. Yep. He's the man. Um, I love I love training here. Um, it's been going through a lot, getting situated in here, just being a full time athlete again, and um, really really loving the process, falling in love with this new journey, and uh, it's cool, man. It's cool. I'm like a little kid soaking up knowledge like a sponge you know what I mean just learning asking questions and uh not that wrestling was boring or or done but almost got to the point where I just didn't really feel like I was learning anything new or I wasn't in a spot where I could really train to get better at wrestling you know at this level there's only a handful of guys in the country that are really going to be pushing me to where to the to the competition I need to even compete you know, I'd make a real run at these Olympic trials. It didn't even feel real. I didn't have a, a coach there, a team, sponsors. I didn't have training partners. So I'm in the heart of the fight game, in the heart of the fight MMA down here, I think, um, between American Top Team, Sanford, Goat Shed, MMA Masters. I mean, the list goes on and on how many freaking studs you can find to roll with here. So, so when it's time to fight, training partners aren't a problem. And, and that's what I love about living down here. And shit, I was just having freaking zero degrees snow all on the ground. And I just could walk out in my compound every day. I got my dog. I got my weights and my maces, my Bulgarian bags. That's what I'm about to do now. Once we get off the throat here, swing some shit around. So I go. love it down here. So the, you're not retired from wrestling, though, right? Like, the, the, there's still... Yeah, I didn't leave my uh, shoes on the mat, per se, you know. But, um, I mean... Just to just USA wrestling is so good, you know. To be the number one guy, that's the only way you can get paid and make it worth your time. And I don't have a real shot of that under these circumstances. So I'm not going to waste my time. You know what I mean? David Taylor's not going to get taken out. You know, training with fighters, it's just not feasible. You know, I got to be in a real RTC. So I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. Um, if I get these fights under me and the, get a good Bellator career and you know, next next Olympics, I can, um, you know, 2023, if I would 
land at RTC and give it one last push, that's what it would take to get me back into it competing. You know, I'd have to be at a regional training center, real coach, real training partners, competing internationally, you know, part of the freaking circuit. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of, you know, cancel culture bullshit. I got canceled for some tweets. You know, I've done way worse shit than that. So, I mean, it's like, if that's all y'all want to do to get me out of the sport is say I tweeted the wrong thing, then I really, I really wasn't really wanted in that community. You know, I felt, never felt like I fit in. And um, I just felt like, why are you going to stick around a party you're not invited to, you know? Wrestling world kind of, you know, put a sour taste in my mouth. You know, I, first first thing I've ever fell in love with. You know, I'm going to owe so much that sport forever, but uh, I feel like the fighting world will accept me a little more. I was just going to say, it seems like, a, especially now in 2022, it seems like a, a much not easier road to navigate, but a much more accepted road to to, to, right. to drive on. You know what I mean? For someone like me, for sure. Now, now, hey, cool match proposes itself, you know, Taylor, Valencia, or Nickel, or Hamzad, or, you know, there's still some matches that I just said something like that, you know, Burroughs, Dake, Cox, Snyder, there's some studs out there that would really, you know, get me up to wrestle. Sajulayev, Yazdani, but it's probably like the only 10 guys I would even want to compete against. Ringer, you know, and damn, I just damn near named them all. So, yeah, it's time to take on a new journey. And, uh, yeah, I've been grappling a lot, you know. Did that event with Nikki Rod wrestling, but then I went with Gordon and a lot of these other top-level jiu-jitsu guys. You know, that that's what's exciting me now, you know. So, I don't know. I, I, I just... I do what makes me happy, man. You know, I'm just, I'm just a free spirited motherfucker. I kind of do what I feel like doing when I want to do it. And now I want to fight. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just saw that tweet and I saw Shamayev's name on there. Cause obviously that one sticks out to MMA fans. Obviously Bo Nichols got, gotten into the MMA world. Jordan Burroughs has talked about getting into the MMA world. At least maybe for one fight, we'll touch on that in a moment. But how does Hamzat end up on that list for you? We, I see him wrestling these guys that I don't think can wrestle for shit. So it's like, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, Russian this, Sweden national team member. I don't know if he wrestled internationally or has any accolades worth mentioning, but I don't know. Dude looks like a similar body style to me and kind of upper body playing games. I feel like matchups make matches. I feel like it'd be a fan-friendly fan matchup because we would get into some situation where it's like throw or be thrown. And, uh, you know, if you, if you ever watch me wrestle, not many people challenge me upper body. I'm usually the guy doing all that shit. So I think if he goes up up top with me, it'd be a bad move for the dude. And uh, I'm, I'd just be excited about that match, you know what I mean? I don't call out bums. I call out the best. So, you know, it's all respect to the guy. I'm not, like, you know, putting his name in my mouth because he sucks. I, I'd love the opportunity to compete against him. So. That's all it is. Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Uncle Chael could could put something together for in, in the Shug world. You know, a grappling match, Pat Downey versus Hamza Chimaev. I think that would uh, that would do well on whatever platform that would end up on. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. That would get me going. All right, buddy. Uh, we mentioned Jordan Burroughs because he's talked about at least getting one. He doesn't necessarily think he'll make a run like you're planning on doing, but he does want that experience. Do you think? We'll see him have that one fight. 
Nah, David, David on morning get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be fighting in the middleweight division from, from all accounts. And you've already sort of put out a warning to your fellow 85ers. Have you thought about when this debut, like perfect world, ideal situation, when you want to get in there and, and mix it up? Yeah, I think um, end of February, early March, be good timing. You know what I mean? Obviously, I'm going to listen to my uh, my managers, my coaches, because I'm dumb as shit. I tell you, I'm ready to go tomorrow. You know what I mean? And I just got in a car accident, buried my granddaddy, haven't trained in a week. You know, I'm too, I'm too dumb to know any differently. So I got a couple little bumps and bruises to heal up. You know, I'm not going to put myself on blast too much, but there's some things that we would like to see happen before I, I make this deb debut. And, um, and shit, you just got to find an opponent too. I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine everybody's excited to fight me. I mean, you see these wrestling act guys with that wrestling accolades, they, they have a hard time getting, getting opponents. Um, so for me, me and my, my debut, I don't think it necessarily makes sense to come out and fight somebody who has a whole lot of more experience than me too. So, I'm sure picking this uh, first opponent is going to be a little process. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm an athlete. I don't think too much about that shit. I love to compete. And, um, yeah, so I'll be ready whenever they want me to be. Do you, you think it could be as soon as February, March? I mean, I know, like you said, there's, there's some other things that, that need to play out and, definitely you know, you don't need to talk about. Yeah, I, I definitely would love – I mean, should, I saw that Ireland card at the end of February. That would be freaking sick. Um, you know, I'm just looking at their, ever since I joined the promotion, I've just been kind of doing my own little research here and there and, you know, planting seeds in other people's heads. Like, Hey, you know, just dropping little feelers here and trying to catch the vibe of this whole thing and see how it works. You know, I, I, uh, I'm definitely ready though, man. I'm definitely ready in that time frame. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mention it if I wasn't. All right. So we're looking forward to that February, March and, I mean, do you watch a lot of MMA? Like, are you a, are you a guy that watches as much as possible? Do you take it all in, all the promotions, or just whenever you can? I I just find it I find it fun when it's on. I you know I come I, I catch myself watching, but I'm definitely not like a big fanboy. I couldn't sit here and name you, you know, everybody in every promotion or anything like that. And even even with wrestling, I've never been like that either. You know, the top guys get my attention, and you know try not to idolize them too much because hopefully that's who you're having your rivalries with. And that's how I was in the wrestling world. You know, I knew the best guys' names, but even then I don't even, I don't even watch myself that much. You know, I'm very critical of all performances and, you know, I get that from my grandfather. I'm almost like a perfectionist. So I could fucking win a match 15 Oh and tech the guy in the national finals and I could still pick it apart, you know? So from a fan perspective, I watch it, you know, just as probably like a casual guy out at the bar watching UFC would, you know. So I'm not sitting here psychoanalyzing everything. And and I don't know if a lot of fighters do do that, but, like, uh, I, I love training it. I know that. I love doing it. But honestly, when, when, um, when I'm not in the gym or doing it myself, I find, I like, I play a lot of chess. And, like, I just sold my television because it was wasting too much of my time. Like, I like to do shit outside, take my dog to the beach and at the parks. And, like, I do a lot of cross training. You know, I really don't like to waste – not that that's wasting time, but to me, I just – it's not as uh, 
And that's what my coaches used to hate. I don't watch film. You know what I mean? I'm, oh, here's your opponent. He's got a lefty high crotch. He's got a right-handed single. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I don't give a shit about what this guy's doing. I should be so busy doing me that I don't have time to worry. He doesn't have time to worry about doing him, you know? I think, you, 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 I think you're in the perfect sport right now. You don't want to watch film. You don't have to watch film, and you're self-critical. I think MMA is perfect for you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so uh, before I let you go, what's, what's the message to your fellow 85ers? I mean, you're about to make your embark on this new journey. You're about to step into the cage for the first time. I know where you got a little ways to go before we're, we're talking title shots and things like that, but you're going to be moving up that ladder and hopefully as quick as possible. So what do you want to say to your, to your fellow middleweights? Um, you know, I'm definitely coming. You guys will see me soon. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a wrestler learning how to fight. I'm a fighter that, that just learned how to wrestle. So, um, I, I think everything that I didn't accomplish in the wrestling world, which wasn't very much, you know, I did everything except win a world title and an Olympic title. You know, I have, half the success that I did in the wrestling world and the fighting world. A lot of these 85 pounders are fucked. So. All right. Well, Pat, congratulations on the deal. I think it's, uh, we've been waiting for something to happen with you and in, in your transition to MMA and now we got it and look forward to seeing this debut maybe as early as next month, maybe sometime in the spring, but, uh, until then, my man, all the best to you with training and, and getting ready for this first fight. And again, congratulations on the new deal. Yes, sir, man. Good talking to you. Thank you. All right, let us say hello to Matt Frivola. Holy cow, what a freaking fight he just had at UFC 270 against Gennaro Valdez. Entered the record books as well, but I must say I have an issue with the records keepers, if we're being honest, and we'll address that in a moment with the steamroller himself. Matt Frivola, how are you, sir? Oh man, I'm doing good. You know, can't can't complain after a fight like that. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was an intense three minutes and fifteen seconds. And I know that there's so much going on in there. You're not counting down the seconds in your brain, but did it seem like you were in there for three minutes and fifteen seconds, or did it seem like you were in there for an hour? Um, yeah, I mean, the guy he kept getting up, he kept fighting. You know, I knew how tough he was, but uh, I like. I folded him over like three times and then he kept getting up and I'm like, geez, but uh, yeah, we got the finish. Did you feel like you were fighting a zombie in there? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. The, the amount of shots you landed, how many times he went down and seemed like he was almost unconscious. And then he was just like, right back to his feet. Yeah, it did kind of feel like that, but you know, I knew how tough he was uh, and I knew that I had to put him to sleep if I wanted to get the, the finish. Cause I've seen him. He's very scrambly on the ground. And, uh, you know, he wasn't going out, going down without a fight. So have you gone back and watched the fight yet? Yeah. Yeah. Finally went back and watched it and, uh, it was awesome. So here's my issue with the record keepers because they credited you with four knockdowns and it seems like more knockdowns to me because right now in the record books, you're tied for the most knockdowns in a single round with four. But in my opinion, you should be in there by yourself with five, maybe even six, like your thoughts on that, because I thought you knocked him down more than four times. Yeah, we watched it and we actually like watched it again and counted. It was uh, definitely five and you could even argue for six. So uh, <laughs> we'll just say right now that I, I have the record now with five because you rewatch that. It was clearly five and 
you could even argue for six. <laughs> I know when you're, when you're back talking to the media, you, you had just found out about the record and it was kind of a, a cool thing for you, but it's not something that you, you focus on. I'm going to break the knockdown in a single round record, but now that you knew about it, did you look for that very closely? Did you count, like, did you make it a point to count all of them? Um, like, uh, not, not right after, but, uh, but when we watched it yesterday, um, cause they kept saying about the record and then, and then, and then even, uh, Rogan, Rogan and like Anik on the commentary were saying like five, six knockdowns and, <laughs> and uh, you know, we watched it and it was definitely clearly, clearly five knockdowns. And then there was one where you could argue that it was six. Um, so yeah, we got, we got the record. It don't matter what else, what, what that, all these people are, or what the, the record, uh, people say, you know, you watch that fight and you count five. I, I completely agree with what you're saying right now. Were you okay with the stoppage as like a person and an athlete and a fighter? Because Mike Beltran took a, took a little bit of a beating on social media because people thought that fight should have been stopped way sooner than it was. But on the flip side, like you said, super tough, durable guy. Mike Beltran obviously did his homework to know who the guy was. He's hurt. He's trying to defend himself, keeps getting back up and landing shots of his own. What did you think of the timing of the stoppage, especially after watching it back? Yeah, I thought it was a good stoppage. You know, even even when I was dropping him, uh, he would go out, but then he would come back to consciousness and, and fight back up to his feet. And, and uh, you know, he, he was never really, like, unconscious on the floor with me just hammering on him. So I would, I would drop him, like, flash knockout, and then he would, you know, gain consciousness, fight back up. I mean, if he stopped it earlier, no one's arguing that. But uh, he gave him every opportunity to uh, to fight fight back, and uh, and he told us that even in the uh, in the rules meeting before the fight, he was telling us uh, that he's going to let us fight to the end, and uh, and when we're not intelligently defending ourselves, he's going to stop the fight. But he said, you know, we work too hard to get early stoppages, and uh, you know, I would have liked him to be the ref in my last fight you know he might have let me uh fight out of that one and, and survive <laughs> but right? uh, yeah I'm, I'm not mad at, at her you know the the last one the seven second one was herzog and herzog's the best in the game and uh but if it was beltran you know i think i might i might have uh i'd have come back and won that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting what 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 people see and and how they look at things and so it's it's just interesting from ref to ref and what, when they put this fight together and, and I talked about this we do a, a like a live stream right before the card starts I I put I mentioned this fight in particular because I thought the the matchmaking was super interesting for a number of reasons and I dug it very much because you have this you have this powerful newcomer great win on the contender series finishes fights quickly. And then we have you, the this, this super exciting guy, a fighter who truly embraces the, the grit and the grind of these fights, an exciting fighter who, if the fight goes deep, this is your world. The deeper the fight goes, you thrive on that stuff. And this thing turned into a firefight right off the bat, and you got the better of it. Was that what you expected? Just, just get right into the smoke? Or was it more of, well, I guess we're doing this now? I mean, no, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> but... uh I, I was actually expecting him to uh, come out a little bit hotter. Um, you know, the, going into the fight, it was I was thinking I was it was patience. Patience was big on uh, on uh, you know my my trigger words was patience, uh, calculated awareness, and um, you know. But we came out there and uh, 
and I landed and I think it was, I dropped them for the first time and I smelled blood. And I, when I smelled blood, I, I got that killer instinct in me and, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing, but, uh, I'm, I am, I am working on keeping that, that killer instinct more calculated. And, uh, that's, that's what it's all about is the growth for fight per fight. Um, but you know, I'd rather have that killer instinct and have to learn how to, how to tone it than to not have it at all. So we're good. How tired were you when the fight was finally stopped? Uh, I threw, I was, I was nonstop punching. You know? <laughs> I was a little tired, you know, but I was, I was going in there. I was prepared for, for 15 minutes of that if I needed to. And, uh, I think that's, that showed, you know, even in that, in that first round, uh, I remember towards the end, you know, I flat, like I, I had his back, I kept pounding him. And I was like, I was like, man, this guy's not going away. And then I threw my hooks in and I started going for the choke. Cause I was like, all right, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's tough. I'm going to let's, let's choke him. And then when I started going for the choke, he defended well, he, he turned out of it. And, uh, there was a split second there where I could have like followed him and taken his back, but I, I decided to stay on top and, uh, he defended the choke. I stayed on top. And then I was able to sink my hooks in, flatten them out and just keep punching. I was like, all right, let's keep punching, keep punching, keep punching, you know, and, uh, and we got the, we got the, uh, stoppage. Yeah. It was, it was just so smart to get on top of him like that because then he just has no escape. And like you said, keep punching. And eventually the referee is going to be like, all right, enough's enough. Like I gave him enough time and, and that's what you did. I'm curious about your mentality heading into the fight because you, you, you preach patience and, and just being in the moment and, and you seem to have done that very well. Of course, the fight took a crazy turn after you landed that first knockdown, but was there any extra pressure on you at all heading into this fight coming in with the two losses? One of course was a guy in Armand Sarukian who I think can fight for a title in the next year to 18 months. And the other was the quick knockout to Terrence McKinney, which, you know, if, Mike Beltran was the referee. Maybe that fight goes a little differently. Did you feel any extra pressure going into this fight? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, that was the last fight on my contract with the UFC as well. So, uh, you know, I knew, uh, you know, if I lost that fight, I was probably not going to be in the UFC anymore. Um, but, you know, that was the last fight. We we finished uh, that contract with a, with a big win. And uh, now I'm, I'm a free – I'm technically a free agent right now. So uh, – I'm hoping to get get like a great offer from the UFC, but uh, it'll be it'll be cool to you know see what other offers we get. Wow, look at that! So I mean, that's good. Was was there any attempt to try to lock you down before this fight, or was did that not even happen? Or I mean, even we're seeing a lot more these days. A lot of you guys and gals, when they're in this position, you take the gamble on yourselves, and obviously it paid off here. What was that like in the build to this fight? Were there any was there any communication to try to get this thing locked up or, or not? No, no, they didn't, they didn't offer, uh, another deal before this fight, which I, I, I expected, you know, I was coming off two losses. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was no offer on the deal. I knew it was the last fight on my contract. I knew it was a, it was a big one. I had to, uh, to get a, a great, a great win. Um, and we got it done. And now, now we're going to take offers. There you go. Matt Frivola, the free agents. Does that have a nice ring to it? You like the way that sounds? Yeah, yeah it sounds good. You know, I, I love the UFC. You know, it's it's definitely the, the you know, the best show around. And, uh, you know, they always, the, the treatment throughout fight week and, and just throughout camp uh, from the UFC is great. Um, but, uh, 
you know, I'm hoping that they really come back with a great new, uh, new deal and, uh, and I could sign with the UFC and, and, and keep, uh, keep, keep my fights in the octagon. But, uh, but we'll see, you know, I, I wouldn't mind being a star in Japan either. You know, that'd be cool. <laughs> I like, I like the no weight cutting for one championship. I like that. Oh, okay. So if, if, if let's just say taking money out of it, let's say everybody offered you the same amount of money, one UFC, Bellator, whoever, if everyone offered you the same amount of money and the same amount of fights and everything was, was equal. Is it one over the UFC just so you can experience that? Not yet. It's, it's UFC. I think we okay. still got, I, I still have, uh, I still have a lot of skills that I haven't shown in the octagon yet. Um, so I still want to, uh, you know, show, show, you know, everybody in the UFC, uh, what I'm capable of and, and, uh, keep putting on great fights and, and keep, uh, demonstrating all my hard work and putting on great fights for, uh, for my team, my family and, and all the fans. So we're going to stay, we're hopefully staying with the UFC, but at some point before you turn the page into the, the newest venture of your life outside of fighting, you want to have some sort of fight in Japan, at least one, right? Yeah, at least one. I mean, one of my favorite thing about fighting is being able to like travel the world and fight people from all over the world. And, uh, and I think that's one of my favorite things out of this. So, uh, when I, I mean, even I'm pumped that the UFC is starting to travel again, they're going back to London. Um, you know, they're going to Brazil in May, which sounds awesome. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all good. No bonus for that performance, Matt. I thought for sure you're going to get a bonus, after, especially after setting records. You're out here just in bananas fights. And you, now, you, in my opinion, you are the record holder, your opinion as well. Were you surprised you didn't get a bonus? Or did you kind of expect that with everything going out with the contract and everything? I was surprised. I thought I was a lock for sure. I, <laughs> I was very surprised. Um, yeah, I kind of got screwed out of that bonus, but, uh, um, you know, I saw, I actually saw Sean Shelby after the fight at the hotel bar. And I was like, what's up, Sean, like no bonus for that fight. And, you know, he kind of shrugged it off and, uh, said, Oh, we'll take care of you on the, on the close, but see, hope, hope, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they do so, but they've said that in the past. Yeah. Okay. And did they, did they take care of you when they said that in the past? Nope. All right. <laughs> but, but I'm hoping that they do, you know? Yes, I am. I am as well because, you know, we want to see you guys getting taken care of, especially after a crazy freaking fight like that. How about that Terrence McKinney, man? I don't know if you saw this, but this guy out there telling the world that he's rooting for you. He's shouting <laughs> out your victory. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Did you see that at all? Yeah, I saw that, and it was cool. Uh, Terrence is a good dude, and uh, seems like a great guy. Um, you know, tough fighter. Um, and, hey, you know, any, anytime you fight somebody, you're always rooting for them to win. And uh, so, you know, I appreciate him uh, rooting for me and, and I definitely see our paths crossing again down the line. We yeah. definitely need to run, we need to run that one back eventually. Yeah, you feel like there's some unfinished business there. I mean, seven seconds you didn't get really a chance to show him much, and you know, yeah, like I said, yeah. Mike Beltran's in there. Maybe we get to to a second round or a third round. Yeah, that, and I'm I'm always rooting for Terrence too. You know, I'm hoping he goes out there and uh, you know keeps winning, and he keeps winning, and I keep winning, and you know that'll be a big fight down the line. Well, you have a lot going on right now. You know how this crazy world is, Matt. We, you don't get to savor the flavor uh, for, for too, too long because people want to know 
what's next and where you want to go from here. Again, we got to figure out where that's going to be, but let's just say everything works out the way you want it to. You're back with the UFC. Is Brazil the card you want to fight on? Like if you had your druthers, we're going to that, or, you know, do you have a time frame in mind at least of, of when you'd like to get back and fight again? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like the summertime, I want to stay busy this year. Um, I think I might've broke my hand, which kind of sucks, but I'm going to get a x-ray on my hand and we'll see how that is. Um, but yeah, I want to, I want to stay busy. You know, I think the summertime makes sense. Um, Brazil would be awesome. You know, it is, it is May. Um, you know, my brother's getting married around then, so I got to kind of figure some things out, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I love traveling, I love fighting, and I've never been to Brazil, so that would be that would be awesome. All the frivolas are getting locked up now, like getting locked down, because you just got <laughs> married in September too, right? And, and, you're, yeah, and dude, your brother's dude. getting married. How, how are you enjoying uh, being Mr. Matt Frivola officially, being uh, the, the married man? <laughs> oh, it's great, man. It's great. You know, my wife made it out to the fight. We had a great time. Uh, you know, she had to deal with my weight-cutting ass the whole fight camp, and uh she did a great job helping me with all my meals and and uh you know keeping me focused and and now you know we we're gonna you know spend some time together and and uh you know it's great uh we want to we want to build a family soon so you know keeping keeping this dream alive keeping uh you know securing uh my my future fights is big and uh and yeah it's you know it's all going good how does she feel about the, the the looming free agency right now? If you don't mind me asking. How does she feel? Yeah. How does she feel about it? Is she excited for it? Be, just seeing yeah, that yeah, all these different options potentially for you. Yeah, she's definitely excited for it. Uh, I think you know, I think we all want me to stay in the UFC, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, I gotta look for what's best for for me and my family, and uh, and it's it, it'll be exciting to see the the offers we get. You've done, I mean, just talk kind of building upon that. You've done something a lot of fighters, a lot of people in your position haven't been able to do. Let's find somebody who not only gets you, but gets the fighter life because that's not easy to watch somebody you love do, right? And the sacrifices, you talked about the weight cutting, the things you have to do to be at your best, not easy for the significant other to, to deal with. And it seems like you have found someone who actually gets that. So for you, that has to be one of the most freeing feelings ever as a fighter, right? That's like one less thing you have to worry about because she's with you. She's by your side through this whole thing. Yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm so blessed to have, have my wife, have my family and have everybody who, who sports me, who's been with me from the beginning. You know, she was with me since I was an amateur. Watched, she, she watched the come up she was with me during it all. And, uh, and, you know, now, now we're, uh, you know, we're, we're doing it at the highest level and, uh, and everybody gets it, you know, and, and this is, this is, this is the fight life. And we're gonna, we're gonna ride this train for as long as we can until the wheels come off. So when do you head back to long Island to see everybody there? I'm back now. Um, oh, you're there now. I Great. Got, yeah. 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 I got back yesterday. Um, I didn't, I didn't sleep Saturday night. We, we had a great time. Uh, you know, we were actually able to get back into the stands and watch the rest of the fights. So, nice. uh, yeah, yeah. Like, again, I always say like, I'm a fan just as much as a fighter out here. So like after that fight, me, me and my team broke into the stands and, uh, we're able to uh, be amongst the people. Like I actually felt like a celebrity. It was crazy. People want to take pictures and stuff and get my autograph and stuff. Uh, 
and uh we were in the stands enjoying the rest of the fights and uh and then after the fights we went back to the hotel then then the hotel bar was popping off and uh we ate some good food we drank some drinks and uh and i i didn't miss my flight we made we we got on got on the flight back home to long island and now we're back oh man everything coming up for bowl on saturday night yeah. it's amazing <laughs> um what, what did you think of D1 Francis Ngannou dropping takedowns and, and, and wrestling his way to a decision win? That's a scary man now that he, uh, we're seeing the wrestling chops on display. Yeah, you know, like I said, he's evolving too, and that's that's what this uh, this fight game is all about is the evolution of uh, of your your technique and your your uh, and how you fight. So it's nice to see Francis uh, evolving. You know, he's got a great coach in uh, Eric Nixon. That guy's the man. Um, and, uh, you know, he's the champ. I, I picked Francis and he's a good dude. I'm always rooting for him. What did you, how, how did you score the, the flyweight title fight? Did you, do you think the judges got it right? I mean, it's super close. It's no robbery either way, but did you score for Moreno? Or did you score for Figgy? Um, it, it was so close. I could, I, I couldn't even really tell. I wasn't like, I wasn't as dialed in as I should have been <laughs> watching. But, uh, you're in the, you're in the, you're getting taking pictures of people. I mean, I know, we expect right? you to be fully and focused on this fight. <laughs> but I knew it was close. I mean, you put those two guys in the octagon together and, uh, and I think it's anybody's fight. They're both so good. They're both so technical. They're both so fast. Um, you know, anytime they, those guys fight, it could go either way. And it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, fight for the fans. Yeah, they, they have to go back to this well, right? Like do do the fourth straight fight. Like let's just let's just do a best of seven between these two guys. And I got no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely they're definitely gonna be fighting, I think, again in the future. So I think we're gonna get another one of that. Yeah. Matt, congratulations on everything. The the, the big night, the big win, getting the celebrity status. That's that's huge. And uh, I wish you all the best with free agency, man. Hopefully you get these big offers and you have a, a big decision to make. And hopefully it all turns out in your favor. And uh, can't wait to see you and your partner in crime, Billy Q, competing again sooner rather than later. So tremendous stuff on Saturday, man. Congratulations on the win. And uh, it's always nice to see a fighter bet on himself and, and have it pay off. So congratulations once again. And thank you for the time. Yeah, thanks, man. It, it's crazy. I'm I'm Billy Q famous now. I kept telling him, I was like, man, this is how you feel, bro. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks again, man. <laughs> thanks, man. Have a good one. You too. All right, through all the post-fight drama following UFC 270 this past Saturday, we cannot forget about what this man, Victor Henry, did on that card in Anaheim. Biggest underdog on the event against Hione Barcelos. Gets it done via unanimous decision. Outstanding octagon debut for the 27-fight pro. Victor, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So it's been four or so days as we record since the fight. How does it all feel? Like, I know you're not a guy who smells the roses for too, too long, but are you at least enjoying the momentum you've built in the UFC after that performance? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's certain uh, life has certainly changed in a few ways. Um, but you know, like I said before, you know, you just, the things that, uh, that remain constant, such as, you know, training, uh, going to work, all those things, all those things are the same, you know, like it's just all the, uh, you know, all the new followers, all the new, um, all the new interviews, that's just, that's just icing on the cake, you know, but when we get down to it, what matters most is the cake itself, you know? Has it been like a huge jump in, in social media following? Cause I know after wins yeah, like that, I mean, it jumps got, up like crazy. I think uh, before the fight I had like something like 
2,300 followers. Now I'm at like almost 13,000. Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's legit. I mean, I thought, I thought, I think it's legit. And I think, um, I know I'm not, I, <laughs> to the detriment of me, I haven't really been active on social media. It's not really my thing, but you know, I think, uh, now that this is a, uh, obviously i have a bigger platform now i need to be more responsible on my social media and and get getting to people and putting more content out there just you know to to increase my brand i i, I suppose yeah it's not something you really think of when you get into the fight game right you think about training no, and mean, eating yeah, healthy you think and about training fighting and everything. that's that's everything that i've been doing but you know i gotta remember that fighting is an entertainment entertainment sport first so if you ain't entertaining to watch ain't nobody gonna watch you and uh i think that's one of the reasons why um why people have taken have gravitated towards me because uh you know of course like you said being the big underdog and everything and you know going up against a monster like Hany Barcelos it was like okay well how's it gonna happen and it wasn't I mean it was a fight I, I don't think it was very close of a fight I mean obviously I got a unanimous decision but you know I think I went out there and I I entertained a crowd and of course I um I pulled off what many people uh didn't think I could yeah it was an incredible showing. And what's interesting is something that you sort of mentioned, the so-called experts thought one, mm -hmm. you were not going to win. And two, if you did win is because you're just going to wrestle them a lot. And it turned out yeah. you didn't wrestle really at all. You beat them on the feet, the volume, the output was unbelievable. The quickness, the pressure, everything was on display, but the wrestling that a lot of people are, have you known for didn't even need in this fight. Is this the fight you expected with Hayoni? Or did you think you were going to have to wrestle a little bit more? Um, you know what? Uh, I, I had two fights in mind. You know, one was he was going to overly respect me. And number two, he was going to uh, not respect me at all. Um, if he was going to overly respect me, then I'm thinking he was going to be super tentative, super, you know, not want to not want to sit on anything. Right. So I had a I had a game plan for that. If he wanted to go in there and just not respect me at all, I'm thinking he's going to go in there and just try to swing on me or whatever his game plan was. He was going to do it full force, a hundred percent, you know, so, you know, and, you know, being the veteran and, and the, uh, and the, and the, and the great martial artist that how many is, he went out there and he didn't show me nothing. He didn't show me what he was going to do at all. You know, he showed me, you know, composure, his hands were tight. And, you know, of course he went out there and he, he, he was trying to put his combinations together. So in game planning, game planning for this fight, I'm thinking, okay, well, Valiev, kind of not exposed him but you know kind of exposed his gas tank so i was like okay well if i gotta go out there but i and i have to make him work but i can't make him work i can't force myself to make him work so much that it exhausts me in the process so how, what do i do i gotta go out there and get him swinging on nothing give him false targets give him give him something to um to fight against so you know go out there be slick you know i didn't even need it like like you said i didn't need to wrestle him i didn't need a tire him out physically because he was physically tiring himself out by trying to knock me the hell out you know so you know in doing that he uh, he gave up all his cards eventually and you know with all the with all the pressure with all the counter striking with all the just the constant you know tippy taps that i was giving him you know eventually of course he got super tired um i did not expect to rock him in the first round i thought i was going to come in the third round and uh, you know, I'm 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 rewatching the first round. I'm thinking, oh, I could have I could have pulled back a little bit more, just so I can guarantee I got the you know the the TKO. But you know, I let the moment get to me, and I uh I try to overwhelm him. But in over in trying to overwhelm him, he grabbed me, and 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of known for my clinch game here in, in the gym. So, of course, I, I started going off, you know, knee him in the guts, knee him in the face, um, and just putting pressure on him. So, you know, like I said, props to him, man. I mean, he's just – he's a warrior all around, and he's uh, – there's a reason why he has his record. And there's a reason also why people counted me out, you know, against him, actually, because he's a monster. Were you, were you paying attention to the betting lines at all? Like, were you seeing the sort of disrespect the gambling community was, was putting on you? Because anyone who's ever watched you fight, not mm-hmm. you, like you being the underdog wasn't a big surprise, especially against a guy like Hione, but mm-hmm. that big of an underdog, it, was, it seemed like the line should have definitely been much closer. Were you paying attention to that at all? Not too much. I mean, you, I mean usually what happens is, um, you know, especially in, in MMA fights, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a website, you know, you can go to and people are placing their online wagers. It's not like a, it's not monetary wagers, but they're kind of, they're, they're, it's, it's kind of like Instagram where you say Hany or, uh, Hany or, or Victor, you know, it's people, people guess who's going to win. And you go to this one website and it says like 98% of people think Hany are going to win. And it's like, well, I'm used to being the underdog anyways, especially going to other countries and fighting for other countries, um, or fighting in other countries rather, um. But, you know, I'm used to being the underdog. When I saw that 98%, it's like, bro, like, these are just guys that are either A, they're all Hione fans, like, they're a bunch of, a bunch of uh, countrymen just voting him up, which is cool, whatever. Um, or there's just a bunch of UFC fans that are just voting him up, which is cool, whatever. You know, you can't, you can't, change, uh, you can't change people's minds, especially when they're, uh, they're a fan of just one organization and not just the sport in general, you know. Um, you know, it's, it wasn't surprising to me. So I'm just like, ah, why am I going to pay too much attention to that? I already know how it is. So what do I got to do? I just got to make sure that my, my hard work pays off and, and I do what I do. I love the first part of your media scrum when you went to the back, because you basically said that uh, my colleague asked you the first question and you were like, he was like, how do you feel about it? You're like, I told y'all, I told y'all. And that was one of the things you brought up. That was one of the things you brought up too. Like, you know, a lot of people should stop just just being UFC fans and look like to other promotions, look internationally, because when guys like you come into the promotion, you have some familiarity and you realize that like, it's not just these guys who have been in the UFC for six, seven years. There's some great stuff going on uh, behind the scenes. How, how cool is that for you to be able to say that in front of a platform like that? Because it seemed to have gotten a lot of attention. Uh, it, it was great. You know, um, you know, I have no. I have no, uh, no problems with people being UFC fans. You know, I mean, I mean, if anything that it, it's great, UFC has a worldwide, worldwide platform and it's a, uh, it's a very easy way to get into the, into MMA, but people have to remember, especially analysts, analysts, you know, MMA media, they have to remember that there's more going out there than just the UFC. If you're, if that is your, um, if that is your forte, if that is your, if that is your job, if that is what you claim to be, you know, you are an MMA analyst, then you got to be an MMA analyst. Don't be a UFC analyst. You know, there's guys, there's great guys out there like you, yourself, Ariel Hawani, who they pay attention to these, to these guys that are outside the UFC also. But then you have these other guys that are just like, oh, they only pay attention to the top 15 in the UFC. And it's like, okay, well, like you can't do that. If you're claiming to be an MMA analyst or an MMA media outlet, then why, why aren't you paying attention to everybody else? You know, you're only paying attention to one organization, but that organization has a worldwide reach. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love the, I mean, I love what the UFC has done for MMA. You know, they've given a lot of people opportunity, both financially, 
uh, on social media, giving them a platform, and they've got their fingers in all sorts of other organizations and things. But there's other organizations too, you know, from the ground up, you know, um, you know, you got you got other leagues like Ryzen, Bellator, you know, One FC, PFL, all these other leagues that are that are there. Maybe they don't have the clout that the UFC has, but what about the 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 regional, the just the regional fighters? You know, out here we have LXF, we have um, we have OC Fight Club, we have True Promotions, they're an amateur group. You know, it's like of course you can't keep up with everybody all the time. But if you are a true fan, then you are looking to uh, to see what that what that new person is. I mean, me personally, as a you know, as a as a more experienced fighter, as a as an older fighter, I have to pay attention to who's coming up in the LFA, because guess what? They're probably going to match me up against some monster from the LFA. They're probably going to match me up against some monster coming in for Ryzen. I got to pay attention to all these all these younger guys and the guys that are ahead of me. I got to pay attention to everybody. You can't just be sitting in a room looking uh, looking forward because there's people behind you coming up on your end too that's a, a, a very good point i tell young media members all the time when they say you know what should i be doing i say interview everybody like if a local promotion reaches out to you and says hey we have a card coming up like a half hour from your house go to that and if they offer interviews mm -hmm. interview all these people because one day one day these guys are going to get make it big they're going to go to the ufc they're going to go to bellator they're going to fight for world titles and they're going to remember the guys that said nah not interested and they're going to remember the guys that said yeah i'll talk to them and that's like yeah. that's where it all starts like i i built most of my career on talking to regional fighters and talking to like the next crop of fighter and mm -hmm. now look at them now there's there's so many fighters that that have made that step and it's pretty surreal to see so i, I yeah. totally understand where you're coming from yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember thinking the same thing, but on the opposite end. I gotta give the interviews to everybody. Yeah, I got I can't just be I can't just wait for the super mega, you know, fifty thousand plus, you know, Instagram follower media outlets. I gotta give I gotta give my interviews to everybody because I gotta get I got the more hits on Google that have my name, the better for me. So everybody, you know, I'm trying to make time for everybody. I'm trying to make sure that everybody gets their time because, well, I mean. It's at this point, it's it's the duty, it's my duty, and it's the job portion. You know, like the the fun portion is training every day and the fighting. The hard part is the cutting weight, the media outlets, the um, you know, the the obligations that you have that nobody really wants to do. I mean, of course, everybody just wants to train, fight, get paid, go home. You know, but you know, people forget that there's a job part of this too. I had heard you would, because I had heard you, I heard you had gotten signed a few days before the actual fight news came out for the 18th. And I immediately, like the first thing that popped into my mind after trying to confirm it, of course, was how did this not happen in 2015? How did this not happen in 2018, 2019? Mm -hmm. What was that like for you to finally get word that, Hey, you say yes to this fight. You're in the UFC. You you're there after turning pro in 2010. Here we are all these years later, you just got to say yes. And you're in. Well, I mean, first of all, I was eating Korean barbecue, so I had a face full of uh, face full of deliciousness. And uh, well, I got the call, and of course, it was Josh Barnett who manages me. He goes, "Hey, uh, this guy, this date." And I said, "Yeah, screw it." So uh, most people would think that I would put down the uh, the tongs and stop eating so much, but uh, that's not what happened. I figured, okay, this is my last meal, so I just made sure I got my fill. And plus, at thirty bucks a thirty bucks a head, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I eat. So. You know, getting that call, I mean, it is what it, it it is what it is. You know, like it's a great, it's a great feather in the cap. It's um 
it was an awesome accomplishment, but having fought around the world with, for different organizations, you know, it's, it's just, it's no, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to say it's no different because it is very different, but the, uh, the end is the same. You're locked in a cage with somebody trying to punch your face in, you know, and it's, it's just another person, you know, um, it's funny because we talk about this at the gym all the time where it's, um, you know, you can't look at the accolades of the, uh, of the person in front of you because all those accolades, all that doesn't matter until they implement it on you, you know, and none of it matters. You know, you can be, I could be standing across the cage from Peter Yan and Peter Yan is Peter Yan. He's got, a, you know, obviously he's the world champion. He's all sorts of stuff, right? He's great. His takedown defense, his boxing, his kicks, his knockouts, all that don't matter until he implements on you. Until then, he's just a person with a name and he bleeds like I do. So, you know, you got to be able to just, uh, you got to throw all that out the window and, 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 and you got to prove you're the best every time. Not just, not just, uh, not just sometimes, every time you go in the cage, you got to prove you're the best or at least better than the person in front of you. Did the Korean barbecue at least taste better knowing that you were a UFC fighter or just uh, Korean barbecue tastes delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Korean barbecue tastes delicious. No matter what you, no matter what you do, your dog could just die and it's Korean barbecue would be good. <laughs> and then you're getting ready to fight December 18th. And then we find out we got word like 10 AM Eastern the day of the fight that it's off. You test positive for COVID. And then you and I had spoken briefly on Instagram and you said like, I feel fine. Like it just kind of sucks. Like how tough was that to get that news just right before it? And you have that is it, it is what it is mentality. I'm sure you didn't let it bother you for too long. Cause you, something was going to happen. Eventually we're going to get you in there, but how did you react to that? How much of a bummer was that? Um, it was, a, uh, of course it was, it was a huge bummer. You know, you go in there and you cut weight, you, you stop eating. I mean, you, you don't eat Korean barbecue for about two weeks, you know, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it sucked because it wasn't only just the fight that got canceled in my mind, you know, because I didn't, I didn't find this out till after, but Howney Barcelos was actually, um, his visa was coming up. So they weren't going to be able to, you know, have him fight or fly out here or whatever his traveling situation was. Um, they weren't, that fight might not, might not have happened. And in my mind, I was like, Howney Barcelos not only is a, is a, is, he's a great martial artist, but that would be a great fight for me because if I beat him, then that puts me immediately in some form of spotlight. It's not just, you know, I told this to another, another interviewer. I was like, you know, it, it sucks, but there are people who, you know, they're, nobody knows them in the UFC, but their hometown knows them because they fight in the UFC, you know, but then there are, there's the complete opposite where nobody knows them in the USA because they don't fight in the UFC. You know, and that's what, that's what my problem was. Nobody knew who I was here. You know, while well, not many people knew who I was because I wasn't in the UFC, but you know, you put the, you put the UFC tag next to somebody's name and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well, they must be super good or they must be, they must be the next champion or whatever, you know? And, and you know, there is a lot of talent in the, uh, on the undercards of the UFC that nobody's paying attention to. Of course, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of, uh, of talent. And there's a lot of great guys, but um, like I said, fighting Hany Barcelos would have been, you know, would have been the one that just shot me right to, right into not contention, but all of a sudden it's like, hey, well, now we all our eyes are on Victor Henry right now. So, um, getting the news that I wasn't might not be able to fight him, it was upsetting, you know. So, 
when that when I when I tested when I tested positive, so a lot of people don't know it. You go you go through three tests. Uh, once before you fly out, once when you right when you check into the hotel, and then once right after weigh-ins. So you go back to the hotel, you weigh in. I mean, you weigh in, you go back to the hotel, you test, and you quarantine until your flight, and that's in Vegas. Um, over in Orange County, they had different regulations because the UFC has to abide by the uh, the local government's regulations. These are not the UFC's regulations. The local government has to is what is what uh, is who sets the regulations. So, you know, when I got the offer to fight Hani again, I was like, yes, let's do this, let's do this. And they were like, oh well, you get you get a little bit of an extra camp. And I was like, well, really, do I get an extra camp? Because it's not like they said, hey, we're going to reschedule you against Hani Barcelos. They didn't. Nobody ever said that. They just said, well, we'll find out what, what happens. So at a certain point, I'm like, I'm thinking of myself, well, I do have a contract with the UFC, but there's no uh, there's no guarantee on who I'm going to fight. So it's just like, okay, well, oh, oh, I, actually, I should rewind this. There's no guarantee who I'm going to fight or when I'm going to fight. So do I pull back at the gym? Do I continue at the gym? Do I continue putting myself through a fight camp and possibly be either overtrained or whatever? But it's like, no, you just you just continue at the gym. And then when somebody gets you a fight, you know, here we go, two weeks. Okay, here we go. That's all I had was two weeks. And, you know, a guy like Hanley Barcelos, no matter how long you train, it's always going to be a tough fight because, well, he's going to be training also. You know, it's not like he's yeah. not, he's, he's not going to be just a bum coming off the couch. So, you know, when they, when they rescheduled that fight, of course, I was excited. Yeah, it was kind of a weird situation too because, like, there were reports coming out that, and I, I believe I even asked you about this, that you're fighting January 15th. And, turns out that wasn't the case at all somehow reports were surfacing that this fight was the 15th and we had told we, we were told that was a possibility and then you're like nah dude i didn't really hear anything that, uh, of that nature and then turns out it wasn't the 15th at all so were you getting no, confused yeah. I mean, too I like think, when the hell am i fighting yeah i mean I, I what i'm thinking happened is that somebody assumed since that was the next ufc card that that's when it was going to happen and then somebody saw it as fact and just ran with it and then it just spread like wildfire but I kept telling people, it was like, according to who? Is according to this one website that is not affiliated with the UFC? Well, yeah. I'm like, well, how does that sound to you? It doesn't sound right. So I was like, so, so you have people answer their own questions. It's like, so what do you think is going on? I don't think the fight's happening. You're welcome. Thanks for hitting me up. Hey, thanks for reaching But it all worked out, right? Because like, even if you fought on the 18th or fought on the 15th, it would have been great, especially if you're fighting Hione and get the win like that. But now you get to fight in Anaheim. You're in the feature prelim on ESPN. And hindsight's silly, but this this worked out pretty damn good, did it not? Yeah, it did. And, you know, it's crazy because I'm in the back saying to myself, 22 on 22 in 22. And that was my 22nd win on the 22nd day of the year 2022. So I'm just repeating that self to myself. I'm repeating that to myself over and over again. And then I get out there and of course it's all lights and crowd and Bruce Buffer yelling at me in a gold blazer. And you know, <laughs> you go out, you know, and then you go out there and you and you you prove everybody wrong. Joe Rogan enjoyed your performance so much that he gave you kudos in the post fight interview, but then the next day he put you over big time in his own Instagram post the day after the fight. And like, I, I know you don't fight for the chance to be on Joe Rogan's Instagram, but for him to single you out like that of, of everything that happened on Saturday, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, that was legit. And like I said, you know, like a lot of people don't realize, but that, like, well, obviously he didn't realize and a lot of people wouldn't even know 
it was 2005 or 2006 and um you know me and my me and my other other friend juan we go to uh we go to a legends martial arts uh legends mixed martial arts academy and we're in an elevator and joe rogan and eddie bravo walk in and me and juan are like sitting there just like you know, like we're like, oh, hey, dude, they have no idea who we are. Why would they? But you know, we had been watching the UFC for a little bit then, and then we're like, holy crap, that's them. And then getting to meet Joe Rogan later on in life, and you know, Joe and I, we actually have a lot of uh, mutual friends because of that gym. You know, we got of course Josh Barnett. You know, we got a guy named Victor Webster. You know, and Eddie Bravo, Eddie, I mean uh, Scott Epstein. There's like a lot of guys that uh, that grew um, that we that were part of the original 10th planet system over with the bomb squad and everything. And he knows a lot of the people that I know, but it was just a, you know, it was just fleeting that we never really got to, to, uh, to meet officially and everything, but having him having all his success all these years later, and then put me over the top like that, that was awesome. You know, I even got a shout out from Chris Pontius from Jackass. And I was like, that's, that's legit too, because he's part of my, he's part of my childhood too. Dude, man, that's so funny. That's hilarious. I feel like I feel like Joe Rogan is going to be the next generation's Chuck Norris. You know, like there's Chuck Norris memes, like Chuck Norris will beat up trees or do whatever, like all these crazy ones. I feel like Joe Rogan is going to be because no one's going to know who Chuck Norris is in the next 25 years, like these kids growing yeah. up. But everyone's going to know who Joe Rogan is, and there's this mystique behind Joe, even though he's so famous. Like, how tough yeah. is he really? And is he really is legit? Could he have fought in the UFC? What what would happen if he fought Wesley Snipes? Like all these different things. I'm waiting for him to be an unlockable character in the UFC game, man. <laughs> and get you in the game too. Oh, hopefully, hopefully soon. You know, that'd be pretty cool. If, uh, if people want to skin, if, if people want to play as a, as a skinny guy with a tattoo or two. Most of the Bantamweight division right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. There's some, I, I always make this joke. I was like, how come every time I go way in, my opponent looks absolutely swole and ripped and I look like a string bean. Like it, it's ridiculous. Like, what is this crap? Wow, I love California, man. I, I love how when fights happen there because now we get we get to see the post the the, the weigh-ins with what the weigh-ins are the day of the fight too. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I could look at those things a million times. Oh yeah, like um, I I've had I had a fight before where uh, I walked in the day of the fight. I was one forty-seven. My opponent weighed in at one fifty-seven, and I was like, all right, we'll see how his gas tank is in the third round. So, and I won that fight. So <laughs> what did, um, what, what did Josh say to you after the fight? Is, is there anything he said that, uh, that, that kind of stood out? You've been to Josh forever, but after yeah, um, the first UFC win, what was that like? I mean, he goes, I mean, the first thing he says, good job. You did a good job doing this. You could have improved doing this. Um, so already back to the, you know, back to the drawing board with, uh, with, with a coach like Josh, you know, like. You did this well. You didn't do this well. You kind of let him off the hook here, but you could have capitalized here. So it was a, it's a, it's it's a very normal thing with Josh. You know, all right. Well, I'll see you later. All right, later, dude. We uh we host a matchmaking show on the Sunday after these cards. We make our picks, and the listeners just submit a whole bunch of picks. And you are a very popular name on the show. Mm -hmm. When when do you think you want to get back? You don't even look like you've been in a fight. Uh, yeah, I'm just normally ugly anyway. So, I mean, that's just how I look. So, um, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm ready as soon as the, uh, as soon as UFC has any plans for me, man. So that's when I'm ready.
Is there anybody, I mean, in a respectful way, of course, does anybody stand out to you? Because like you said, a win over Hione, you're a top 20, 25 guy on Jump Street right now. Yeah. Is there anybody in particular? Nah, they, I mean, these hands are ready to eat for everybody. They all can get it. Last thing, um, ahead of the fight, I was actually watching a little bit earlier. We reheated a, a, a video portrait of you that mm-hmm. was done by the legendary Casey Lydon and Esther Lynn and, it's so funny to see, man. You're out, you're at skateboarding, you got the dogs, you're talking about your old neighborhood and, and you were dressing with, which trying to anyways, dress with high socks and low shorts to fit in with the older kids. And your mom had to put you in check because she didn't want that for you. This is why I think 2015, this came out. Do you remember doing that? Because it was pretty yeah. cool to go back and watch that. Yeah, I mean, I remember doing that for uh, for MMA fighting. I remember that. They, um, they came over and, you know, it's funny because like I had a, like a lot of the, it's not on camera, but a lot, it's, it's habit. Um, a lot of times when there's a car that you don't recognize coming through, you know, you kind of look and see who it is. And, you know, there's a lot of that. And the guy's like, am I okay with my camera? I was like, you're fine. You're fine. It's, it's, you know, don't worry about it. I'll let you know when to run. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, the city of Southgate has changed a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is the same in a lot of ways, just with different people, you know. Same shit, different day, I guess. But um, yeah, I remember doing that. They uh, they did me a solid, and of course, everybody going back to it. I'm I'm pretty sure that now they have a lot more hits than they have before. I think so, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, Casey is actually getting ready for his first MMA fight. Really? Yeah, he did. Um, he jumped in the Wimp to Warrior program, and I think okay. he's supposed to fight at the uh the end of next month. Like he's gonna have his first amateur fight. He's been doing it for oh, like very- two months. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I wish he would hit me up. We could have got him in the gym. It's not too late. Nah, I'm gonna hit him up then. Yeah, he's gonna see this video anyways because he, he's gonna have to produce. He's gonna have to put it all together. So, Casey, yeah, right, well, listen to the band. He, yeah, he's got a he's got a training partner in me. If he wants to, if he wants to, uh, if he wants to train. Amazing, Victor. Congratulations on the win. Tremendous performance. The hardcores were proven right, and you got the job done. Huge win. Very happy for you and, and look forward to seeing you back in there. I know you're getting ready to go back into the gym. So uh, I appreciate you giving me some time, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me, man. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower.